What's the last time you talked in depth with someone very different from you? Could be in their politics, life experience, or perspective. If you're like a lot of people, including me, it's not often enough. I'm Paul Vandekar, and welcome to the second episode of Who Are You?, which brings together very different people for one-on-one dialogues. I kicked off the first episode this summer. I'm a liberal, middle-class New Yorker, and I spoke with a gun rights advocate from Pennsylvania named David. And now for this second episode, David, who describes himself as your basic straight guy, said he wanted to speak with a transgender woman, so we found someone for him to speak with. Her name is Cecilia. They spoke for about three hours, and following is an edited version of their dialogue. Future episodes will follow in the same way, a chain of dialogues with each person identifying a kind of person who's very different than them. To learn more and see photos from the dialogues, go to www.whoareyouproject.org. Now, here's David and Cecilia. My name is Cecilia. I am a transgender woman. I live in Queens, but I am originally from Argentina. Uh, My name is David, country boy, pretty much. Grew up in Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And when it came to be my turn to choose someone who was different than I was, I tried to think of something that was outside of my realm of experience. Being a straight guy, you know, my whole life, I never really understood or had experience with folks who were transgendered. And and I was fascinated by that because my sense of gender is very fixed. I can help my uh, educational part and I hope you take it as I intended, like as an educational part. I think you're missing the word cisgender. That's what you are. Uh, And because you keep using the word straight and some of us are straight. I've I've recently become acquainted with that word. Okay. (laughs) Via the internet and uh, the term cis. The cisgender person was assigned something at birth and the sex assigned at birth and their gender when they grow up is aligned, is the same. Mm -hmm. That makes it a bit more clear. So for my, I guess my first question for you would be, can you briefly describe how you first thought that maybe something was different or something wasn't what you thought it was with your gender? Well, my first memory is I was a very happy child until one day gender was, you know, brought into a conversation because I was using the girls' bathroom and I went to school one day they took me to this room. It was my mother, my teacher, psychologist, the principal. I don't know. And this is in Argentina. It's in Argentina, okay. in the middle of a, like a super small town in the middle of nowhere. But I was very scared. Like, you know, I, I did something very wrong and I couldn't think of what, what it was. And you were six years old. I'm six time. years old, yeah. So they explained to me, but it was explained to me in a very like graphic way with kind of like pictures of a human body, the anatomy of a man, the anatomy of a woman, why you are this and why you're not this and why these people use these facilities and why this. I couldn't understand what, why like my anatomy and my, my body was something that they, they, they were telling me it was when I knew that it wasn't Understood. my brother. He told me one day in a trip that I was found in a railroad, that they found me. <laughs> and I asked him, like, you know, was I in a basket? Like, you know, was it? 
He said, no, we just found you there naked. And it was a bunch of bullshit, right? It was a bunch of bullshit, This is yeah. what brothers do to each other. Yeah, and at the same time, I'm from an area where during that time, it was a lot of UFO activities. Mm -hmm. So I was obsessed with that. So when this thing happened at school, I put two and two together, and I came to the conclusion that I was left on Earth by some people from another planet where girls had peepees. Okay. For a long time, I waited for them to come and get me. So I had a little backpack ready. In case they come, mm -hmm. I could just jump. Then I came to the realization that they, nobody was ever gonna come. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that I was fucked. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning, you know, I tried to just conform to all these rules. It was very hard, but I knew that I wasn't a boy. Yeah. Different places are easier or less difficult to be who you are. So maybe what I would ask next is just basically, is what was it like in Argentina when you began to get older? When I was a teenager in the middle of the 80s, because of my gender issues, and since I didn't know that you could be trans, that some transgender was something, right. the closest thing that I found to put myself in, it was being gay. Argentina went into democracy mm -hmm. because we were under a military regime. Yes. So at age 12, with all this democracy and like getting ideas from other places, I thought like, you know, that's what I was. You know, I'm from a really small town. I knew only a couple of people that were gay too, and they were like characters that it wasn't good to be associated with, like a lot of like shame around them. Interesting. I really didn't know if I wanted to be in that small group with them, but it was clear that it wasn't just sexual orientation. I can only imagine what that would be At the like. time, I yeah. just happened to like boys. Mm -hmm. but, but again, it was no information about being trans. Right. Life was very complicated. Uh, because, as I said, like, you know, I was very feminine. That seemed to bother people. Teachers, family, the whole community, you know, was bothered by my, you know, feminine behavior. How old are you? Oh, I'm 12. And like, around 12 to 17 was a real hard time. Not finding anybody to relate to. Mm -hmm. It's an mm -hmm. issue of gender, primarily. Yeah. The idea that my gender does not match my biology... I'm trying to imagine that as a teen, because pe teens are beginning to date, they're beginning to become sexually active, but it's like, this is a whole thing aside from that. Yeah. My memories are of being with my dad. We would go hunting and fishing together. We would bring home fish, we would bring home deer, pheasants, you know, and then I would help my father build things because he was a builder. So there was a lot of, you know, labor and manual labor, learning carpentry. All of these things that society assigns to men. My father had a farm mm. and he was a butcher. Mm. So I'm very familiar with killing things and it never bothered me. And it was never something that I thought like it would make me 
And then I think I was so sure about the fact that I wasn't one, that doing things that were associated with masculinity never bothered me. I would do everything and that didn't make me feel like a boy. Right, right. Which is very, very um, interesting. Like, you know, things that you see as like something that reaffirm your masculinity. Right, right. But there was one incident that I remember very clearly that actually brought my gender into question a little bit. My parents thought that I needed to go away to camp, 13 years old. There was this one boy named Danny. He was a red-headed, red-headed kid. And, and I remember a couple times looking at Danny, either swimming or doing stuff, and I, I just had the oddest feeling that he's really a beautiful boy. I was, attra- I was attracted in a sort of half-innocent way to hang out with Dan because he was so pretty. And I remember thinking to myself, wait a minute, you're supposed to like girls. What is this all about? And it was a little confusing for a moment. And that's really the only time that I sat there and questioned myself. My first job out of high school, I I worked at a video store. And I went into the gay porn section. I'm like, what is this all about? And I put a gay porn on and I was just kind of like, this is not for me. This is not for me. When I was 17 at the time, as I said, like, you know, we were coming from a regime and politics of uh, going to the army didn't change yet. It was like a lottery. You have a number and with those numbers, it was a lottery and, you know, some people end up going to the army and some people didn't. As I came out to my mom as gay and I was like super, very feminine, but nobody talked to my father about that. Right. So he had no idea. Supposedly. But it, supposedly. <laughs> you know, I come on high heels, like, you know, have dinner with high heels. And, you know, but I think he really was the kind of, like, Italian guy that, mm-hmm. I don't see it. It doesn't happen. So uh, when I was 17, I had the lottery and I was selected to go. And he had the power to make a phone call and say, can you just take my child out of this list? And he didn't. My mom cried to him and cried to him and asked him and begged him to do it. Um, So you were actually in in the equivalent of basic training. Yeah. You were there. Yeah. So. And he said, I think that he need this. And dad thought it was gonna fix you. Yeah. And my mother was desperate, so she kept crying until he made that call. Interesting. Yeah. Were you dating? I wasn't dating because, you know, at the time, all these men that had sex with me, some of them end up coming out as gay. Some of them, they're still identify as straight men. And they just wanted to, I guess, to put their penises somewhere. Uh, but they weren't dating. And I remember, like, always feeling, like, you know, like, used after having sex with all these guys. I hear a lot of confusing things to me. Like you said, a bunch of straight guys just wanted to put yeah. their parts somewhere. Yeah. I have to relate it back to me. And I'm saying to myself, I I wouldn't want to do that. Just, just out of my own preference. I, like, as a straight guy. It's like I didn't question it at the time, but sometimes... Not as straight as they think they are. Many of them, I think, like, they're gay closet people. Mm. But some of them are genuinely straight guys. I've heard this before. And for me, like, my ideas of sexuality as attached to gender are pretty specific. I was curious 
about your transition and, and how, how you got to where you are today. When I was 18, 17, I left the city to go to college and I discovered gay bars and gay clubs. And in the gay clubs and the gay bars, I found out trans girls, many trans women. And um, I knew that that's what I wanted. It was at that age that I started like dressing as a girl, you know, wearing makeup and wearing feminine clothes and my hair was long and beautiful. It was a very interesting point in my life because the culture of the, you know, the end of the 80s and the 90s, trans women in my country were sex workers. Hmm. And that's it. You know, I grew up with the idea of like education was very important. So I didn't know anybody that was like an educated trans woman. So for me, it was really hard to try to transition. I couldn't like do the college thing as a girl because it was a lot of discrimination. So I was jumping, you know, I go to school during the day and I dress as a girl during the night and I go to bars. So uh, you, were, you were leading essentially a double life. Yeah. Yeah, extremely tiring, but a lot of fun. But, you know, also, like, you know, I remember an issue with that was, like, dating. You know, uh, you go home at night with these boys that saw me as a girl, and if they knew that I was a trans girl, they couldn't find the same girl during the day because I was living as a boy. And then I would be dating these gay boys that met me as a boy who weren't happy with seeing me all this in my feminine side because they like boys. So dating was very complicated for me. So as far as a long-term relationship, there probably weren't too many. No. It put me in this position of like, you have to make a decision. So I started doing hormones around age 24. And uh, I started doing sex work occasionally. Now, what was your motivation there? Was, it was money and it was finding the sense of belonging. Like my first conversation with a trans woman, when I say, I want to be like you, they say like, okay, you're going to have to do hormones. You're going to have to do sex work because that's the only way to survive. You're going to have to do drugs because to do sex work, you have to do drugs. And she said, you have to be okay with the fact that you're going to die young. And I asked her why. She said, well, do you see any old trans girls around us? And I said, no. You wonder why? And I said, yeah. Because they all died. They all died. They were all killed or they were overdosed or they have, like, conditions that kill them. And I had a little bit of a hard time making that decision. And at age 26, I moved to Miami. Okay. And it was my birthday. I said, I can celebrate my birthday, my last birthday as Alejandro. That was my name. Or I can celebrate this birthday as my first birthday as Cecilia. Mm. I wasn't going to look back and I was going to live my life as a woman 24-7. And that's what I did. 
Let me ask a question, a terminology mm-hmm. question. You've mentioned trans men and trans women in our discussion. And that leaves me none the wiser because if I see a man who's a biological man, but he identifies as a woman, is that a trans man or a trans woman? As a trans woman. Trans yeah. woman. So that means they're a trans woman. Okay, let me, let me try it again. We have a woman who, ident- who is born a biological woman, yeah. but they feel as though they're a man. Yes. So they dress as a man. Yeah, they're trans men. They're a trans man. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. Uh, trans indicates the change. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay, thank you. And I am a trans female because I was assigned male in a transition. That's actually the most succinct explanation <laughs> I've ever gotten for that. Thank you. <laughs> as far as your physical transformation, it's a big step. You're a woman in your, in your mind and in your heart, but your body is still masculine. And now you said something about hormone treatments. Mm. I do estrogens, but I don't block any of my testosterone. I like my body to have a decent amount of testosterone. I did many, many surgeries. I, my nose, my breast, my jawline, my cheekbones. Really? Yeah. I would never have guessed that. Yeah. I have silicone in my hips and butt, which is not a recommendable thing to do. But, you know, you know, it was the 80s. You had to have those kind of, like, bodies. My body is mine, and uh, I choose to alter it as much as I want. When it comes to sexual reassignment, I have no plans for that. I am very good with my body having a penis as part of it. I don't think a penis makes you more than a woman. My, my main reason for really delving into it is, is that you're so much a woman in your heart and in your mind. And is there a conflict with your body? For some people, it's really not my case, though. I guess one of the things I'm really curious about is Obviously, it's in the news right now, is how you feel about the idea of something like bathrooms. I'm not really sure how I feel about the idea. We've got men's rooms and we've got women's rooms. And young children might be in those rooms, a public restroom. What are your thoughts on that? We live in a very binary society where everything is, has to be for men or for women. That's why trans people become a problem when it comes to this equation. What if your little daughter was in the woman's room and a trans woman came in to use the same bathroom? This person may be biologically a male and now they're in the bathroom with your little daughter. Is that a problem? You know, the whole LGBT community has been like conceptualized as sexual predators, deviants, and that is gonna be really hard to change. How, how does this fight get solved? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. Because it isn't I, you I with just, the problem. I just... Uh, it's them well, with the problem. if I go to North Carolina and I am arrested for using the woman's bathroom, it is a problem. I consider myself a woman and I need to use the woman's bathroom. And I go to the, to the bathroom to either pee or poo. And I really don't care who's next to me. What's the problem if I'm going to pee? I'll tell you where this stems from. Nobody wants a man in the woman's bathroom because men are pigs, men are predators. 
Men are going to take every chance they get to check out a naked woman, see a woman going to the bathroom. And I think, in a way, our society has polarized like this to, quote-unquote, protect women from these awful men. But it goes much beyond that. I just think, like, this is an excuse for conservative people to resist change this whole gender thing with bathrooms. I support my community with all my, but this is a fight that I choose not to fight. Trans, undocumented immigrants, that's what I like to focus on, you know, I... I mean, and you're, you're living that, right? Yeah, now. I am an immigrant. You know, I lived for many years as an undocumented person. I end up in jail. I was put in the jail, men's jail, looking exactly how I am now. And I survive, and I know how detrimental incarceration is for a trans person that is housed with the wrong people, which is the same thing than the bathroom. But I also think like sometimes it's discussion keep perpetuating this binary idea. What about people that are not into the binary and don't totally identify as female and not totally identify as men, you know? What is going to happen with those folks? Do you think our clinging to this binary bathroom situation is just part and parcel of our clinging to a binary gender system in general? Of course. We don't want to let that go. No. It breaks everything that has been smashed into our heads for so long. The trans community is, is bringing attention to an even larger issue, and that is, what is femininity? What is masculinity for anyone? What's going on is that there's a bigger discussion around the identity of the genders. Me, I was kind of forced to take one of the ends of the spectrum. And, you know, what made sense was to, make, to take the feminine part. I don't know if you noticed, but I never said that, you know, when I was a child, that I was a girl. I said that I was going to the girls' bathroom. I knew that I wasn't a boy. If I wasn't a boy, what else was I? You know, it wasn't other choices. So, you know, when you grow up with this polarization of being a boy or being a girl, as I knew that I wasn't a boy, I had to be a girl. It's going to be really hard. We are just getting used to kind of separating sexuality and gender. It's going to be hard to separate gender from gender presentation. The thing is that you were taught, and we all were taught, that somebody that was born with a vagina has to dress and act and do things this way, like in a woman way, and is supposed to like men. All of that, is, is all, it comes all in a package. We are opening the package right now and we're taking the pieces little by little and we are, it's a process that it may take centuries. We as a society seem to want to put everything in boxes yeah. and we need those labels to navigate life. We think we do. Yeah. But what I'm discovering the more I have these conversations is that maybe a straight guy wants to have sex with a man. Yeah. It's not binary, it's not polarized, it's not boxes and labels. There are many, many, many shades and many gradations 
of sexuality, of gender, of masculine and feminine. Yeah. Yeah. Someday we will find a way to live happy without any of this labeling. I am 44. I lived a fucked up life. Many of those years were very unhappy and miserable. I happened to be in a relationship with a man. It's pretty new for me. You know, being in a healthy relationship is new. Having a house is new. Learning what a fucking 401k is, is new. And guess what? I have a 401k and I'm like, oh my God, I'm totally normal person. Having this kind of conversations can be productive. It is willingness from people that don't identify with anything that I do to understand me and like the world sometimes is not all the way against me, (laughs) you know. Thanks for listening to the Who Are You podcast. For the next episode, Cecilia has asked to speak with a very religious person, so we'll be finding someone for her to talk with. I'm project director Paul Vandekar. The producer is Allison Byrne. And many thanks to the Germanicos Foundation for their generous support. Learn more at www.whoareyouproject.org.